0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Watched an interview last week on an um, interview between a lady that had escaped North Korea. Um, fascinating. And then, obviously, Afghanistan this week. Of course, COVID, changing world. And as I read the Bible, and be honest this morning, I'm going to be honest, it feels like something's going on. Um, yeah, who, who feels that way? It's okay, I'm putting my hand up. So it doesn't mean that you, you think it's the world's going to end tomorrow or anything like that. But just you'd agree with me that something is, something's changing on our planet. Amen? You're in agreement with that? Absolutely. And questions go through my head. I read the Bible. I read Revelation. I read end times stuff. And I do. I'm honest. I'm praying about this. What does it all mean? Is this the birth pains that it talks about in the New Testament where the world groans for what is right? Literally, it says the earth in Leviticus, as we studied earlier this year, it it wants to vomit the people off the earth because of the way they're treating it and the way it's going. It feels like that. (laughs) It feels like something's not right. We're not at peace with the planet. We're not at peace. We don't have, I believe we don't have the king for the kingdom. We're trying to create our own kingdoms. And so something feels off. Birth pains, perhaps. Is it the end times? Is it the apocalypse? Is, is questions that are right through my Facebook feed, um, are right through everyone's conversations, if you've even looked at the Bible. And so I just I want to speak to that today. I want to just give a couple of addresses to that today. And then I want to speak on what, I don't, I'm not going to answer that, by the way. I'm not going to answer that fully. I'm definitely not going to answer it in one sermon. So sorry, if you, you can let out a sigh if you want. But yeah, not going to solve that all for you. Um, thousands of years of theology and thought and predictions um, this morning. But I want to speak into that today. But just a couple of things of context I want to assure some people, because there's a lot of anxiety and fear around this, uh, whatever your point of view. In Matthew 24:36, Jesus says this. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. We can have a sense around the season. We can even be hopeful in that season that something's stirring. But if anybody is trying to tell you a date, then they're not right. They could be right accidentally because everyone predicts a date nearly every few weeks. There's people on the earth. So someone's going to accidentally get it right one time. But Don't listen to it. That's Jesus' word, saying there is no date. There's a season, maybe, but only God knows. The Father knows. Not even the angels, he says. So just just a warning there. If someone's going around going, I figured it out, then they haven't. They might get lucky, but they haven't. (laughs) I couldn't be more clear. Actually, Jesus couldn't be more clear. No one knows, he says. Not even that preacher that you like. Not even if it's a good person, even if he uses the Bible. Sorry, did he stutter? No one knows. (laughs) I'd be harsh about that because Jesus says it. And so still people are coming up with dates. No one knows the day of the end times or the end moment. We can see birth pains, we can see seasons, we can see a world longing for a, a king, but we won't get a date. And then Revelation 14, 9, 11 is my second encouragement in this season. And this is what is called apocalyptic language. So when it talks about dragons and things like that, they don't believe there's going to be dragons appearing. It's poetic. And so let me read if you're unfamiliar with Revelation. And another angel, a third, followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and also receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath pulled full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and soft in the presence of holy angels in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night. They're worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives a mark of its name. Just want to, I'm not going to unpack Revelation today, but want to just say, notice these worshippers of the beast and its image. Whatever the mark is, whatever that means, whether it's a chip. It was credit cards not that long ago. Maybe it's Bitcoin. Whatever is the theory at the time. You're not going to accidentally do it. You're not going to have good intentions and get a vaccine per se and accidentally get it. So I'm not anti-vaccine. Maybe that's where it leads to, that power and corruption. Absolutely. As if there's not people. As if there's not billionaires on our world that are powerful and corrupt being powerful and corrupt (laughs) that's been since the since humankind have existed so for sure there's power plays going on but you just rest assured you're not going to accidentally take the mark it's a mark of worship does that make sense so do what you want be discerning pray about it do or don't take whatever but don't be anxious about it god god's not looking for reasons to get you He's not going to say, you got tricked into doing something. Whoops, there you go. You're out. He loves you. He's the good father. If you're going to worship the beast, then you've got something to worry about. And we should be discerning. But I just, that's not for answers. That's more just to lower the anxiety. And this church is pretty good with this. But as you know, you're online. If you're online, you know the world is going crazy about this stuff. And so I posted this for a bit of clickbait this week. I posted this online. and I wanted, This is kind of what I want to get into this morning. I said, this Sunday I'm speaking from the Luke series about how John the Baptist might have responded to current world events, vaccinations, and general Christian populations. Obsession with calling every bad thing end times. Am I posting this in the hope it's clickbait enough for you to come to church? Yes, 100%. Will it work? Actually, it did. <laughs> um so many comments on that and so many private messages, people asking me, can you give me some idea, Christians and non-Christians, on what's going on. Um, but, and then a little ad for the church. I got this message, which I've changed some details. I got this message straight after from an old friend that I haven't seen in about 11 years. So his comment was first, crazy, you're a pastor, hey. I said, yep. Yeah and then we can carried on so I thought that was that's what he first said so but he said this to me let me read what his response was when I find it sorry hi steve i've reached out to you on a recent post about the upcoming sermon you are having and it caught my attention this is not a christian person regularly going to church i'm having a really hard time right now understanding my dad it's causing a lot of tension in our relationship And our family. He's a devout Christian with strong anti-vaccine beliefs. Countless times talking about the end of days and quoting Bible verses at me. Not scared of dying of COVID because that would be God's plan, he thinks. This is just skimming the surface. Interested to hear your thoughts in the sermon and maybe help me better understand it's so frustrating. A son reaching out about his father to just looking for anyone. He lives across the other side of the planet and he's reaching out about this because he doesn't understand his dad's position and it's causing anxiety through the whole family and you can hear the anxiousness in his words. And so I'm not knocking the view. You can have different views on this. The question I want to ask this morning, is that the sum of the Christian existence? From the dad's point of view, is that what we're meant to be? Is that what we're meant to be? Are we meant to be known for in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our networks as anxious, preachy, almost berating people, anti-things all the time? Is that what we're meant to be? Is that the sum of the Christian, mature Christian? I don't know. I don't. I suspect not. But just consider that for a minute. Is that what God, is that what Jesus wants us to be in this world? Is that why you're still alive right now, carrying the Holy Spirit, so that you can go out and make your family anxious and worried and stressed and more fearful? Or is there another way to be? Again, I'm not talking about this man's position. It's the way he's obviously coming across that is deeply affecting his son. Are we to yell at others on Facebook? Are we to start civil disobedience? I want you to be like some churches in the States that refuse to close over COVID. Or like one of the Hillsong pastors recently in America who was very vocal about COVID not being bad, getting it and saying it wasn't that bad and then dying of COVID. Our, and are we here to call out every event as end times? Is that our job? A rock falls in front of somebody? Do you know what that means? Times. Is that our job to call it out every season, every time a president changes, every whatever? Is that our job? I don't know. I actually don't know. This is what I've been praying about the last few months and again, not answering it all today. But then I open Luke, where we're up to, and I read this verse that I swear I've never seen before. And I think it's encouraging for me and I hope it's encouraging for you about how we exist in what is... And I'm going to say this and explain it. So hear me, what is apocalyptic times? And what do I mean by that? If you don't know what the word apocalypse means, I talked about it a couple of months ago. It means uncovering. We go through seasons in this world that uncover things, right? We go through hard times that uncover things. I believe from the amount of people that put up their hand right now, I don't know if it's the end times, but it's a season of uncovering, amen. In every aspect, people are learning things. I'm sure when Rome felt fell, it was apocalyptic. It changed people's perspective. I know when World War I and World War II happened, it was apocalyptic. People's views changed. I bet if you were a Jew standing in a Nazi camp looking at Hitler, going, Maybe the Christians are right, maybe this is end times. Because it's apocalyptic. You're uncovering something new. And I strongly believe that this season is an uncovering of something in every way. Empires are changing, moving. Monetary systems are moving and changing. Power plays are 100% happening and moving. The Christian church is in an existential crisis. All of our leaders, our big ones, keep failing. Bill Hybels. Hillsong, Rabbi Zacharias. We're like, is there anyone? Turns out everyone's sinners, but we're having an existential crisis. All the churches, everything, something is being uncovered, and I believe God's in it. So how do we be in that season? That's the question that I'd love to ask John the Baptist, and we might get a chance to in a moment. Let me read from Carrying On. In Luke 4. How do we be in this season, church? During the high priesthood of Annas and Kapithas, the word of God came to John. This is Luke 4, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the regions around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore to the crowds that come out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. What a harsh thing. These church leaders come up and go, yeah, that's not what we've always done. And we don't do that here. We've been at this church for 400 years or we're families of Abraham. And he's gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. God can make God can make family of Abraham out of stones. So maybe just listen to me for a moment. John says to them, if I tell you God is able to make these stones to raise up children for Abraham. It's harsh. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. How much is that statement sum up what it feels like in the world at the moment that the axe is at the root of the tree. Again, whether this is the end of life as we know it, or it is a season of uncovering, it feels like stuff's changing and it feels like the axe is at the root of the tree. Do you still with me? Are in agreement? So that's what it feels like, because hopefully I'm not the only one feeling like this. It feels like something's going on. If only John the Baptist would tell us what we should do then, in a moment like this. For this moment, there's Roman oppression. The Jews are being squashed. The Pharisees are carrying on. Jesus is coming. He's here. He's about to start his ministry. There's anxiety in the air. Empires are forming and changing. There's revolt in the air. And this guy comes out of the wilderness eating bugs and raw honey. Kids ate bugs last week. Biscuits and honey. Much nicer than I imagine locust taste. But they were very excited as they learn about John the Baptist, they come out and he says, get ready, something's about to happen. The ax is at the foot of the tree, the root of the tree. If only someone said, hey John, then what do we do? How do we be in that season? And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? (laughs) Convenient. And he answered, whoever has two tunics is to share with him, who has none And whoever has food is to do likewise. Jesus' response to the crowd in this anxious season is said, something's coming and you should know that. But now I want you to love and be generous. Disappointing for some of you because that's sometimes really hard. But that's what he says to the crowds. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, so crowds should do that. But what if you're an influencer? What if you've got some political power? What should you do in a moment like this? How should you act? How should we be the church? Good question. And then the tax collectors also came and got baptised and they said to him, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorised to. So the tax collectors, which are kind of the middleman between the Roman Empire and the often Jewish because they knew where people were and they could collect from their friends and family. They were taking a bit on top, but they're kind of these corrupt political figures. He says, stop taking from people and be loving and generous. How's that? That's how you prepare in anxious times. Loving and generous. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, but they're not soldiers. What about military? What should we do? We've got that type of power. Good question. Good question. And then the soldiers asked him, (laughs) what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Don't Be careful what you're accusing people of, he says to these soldiers that have power, and be content with your pay. Now is not the time to try to leverage this. Now is not the time to be corrupt with your power. Don't extort, don't steal, don't accuse people, protect them, be content, loving and generous. Let me continue on. As the people were in expectation of all the questionings in their heart concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I will baptise you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of those sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's winnowing fork in his hand to clear this threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable, unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, I love that, many other encouragements. He's just told him that this guy's coming, he's going to sort it out, he's going to judge those, and he's going to sort them out with a pitchfork. And it says... Um, with many other encouragements <laughs> i don 't know about you, but where 's the actual first encouragement, but he preached good news to the people, but Herod the Tarek, who had been reproved by him for Herods, his brother 's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all, um, added this to them all, and he locked up John in prison. John finishes by announcing that it 's not our job to do the judgment it 's not our job to bring the wrath of God or the goodness of God. It's God's God. It's God's job to do the job of God. And because he calls Jesus God, he goes to jail and later gets beheaded. So, Because Herod at that moment is calling himself God and Caesar at that moment is calling himself God. So no one else really likes when there's a guy that walks up and goes, he's actually God and we should probably leave it to him. Quite offensive in those times, enough to get your head cut off. He's talking about the king that is coming. So three encouragements this morning in what is an apocalyptic feeling moment where things are being uncovered. How should we be? Three encouragements from John's response for seasons such as this. Number one is repent and lean in. Number one is repent and lean in. John says repent, get ready, get your hearts ready. He's saying Maybe you're on this, and he's saying maybe to the people around him, you're going this way, you're building your, I don't know, you're building your wealth, your career, um, what you think is stable, what you think you're building your empire, and you realise, hang on, I should have been focused that way. Moments like these make you realise that none of this will last. (laughs) And that's what we're learning in this season. None of this is really stable. The whole thing could collapse at any moment. So you turn around. Repent means turn around. It's walking this way, realizing, hang on, this way of being selfish and living just for me and not with peace with our planet, not in line with what Jesus is doing in the spirit is actually really destructive. I'll turn around. It's moments like these that are teaching us. The church is learning, hey, maybe we shouldn't make these big celebrities and have just these mega, mega shows Because maybe that's not good for the guy that has 20,000 people screaming his name. Maybe that's going to end up that he's going to think he's God. Fair enough. It's good advice. Let's turn around and rethink this. Here's what Christians do all the time, and we all do it. We think half of it is right. So we get to this bit. That's destructive. Quickly, I need to tell everyone that it's destructive. We forget the second half. So we repent and then we go out to the streets and we go, you're all going to hell, you're all sinners, you're all gross. Repent. There's elements of that that is true. We forget that it's not repent and then go and tell people they're bad. It's repent and then turn to Jesus, who is good, who is secure, who causes us to be non-anxious people, who causes us... To be generous in the world and build something that is eternal. I would encourage you, you can go out and tell everyone how bad they're doing, or go out and show them how good God is. I don't know which one I would choose. Give them the answer, not the problem. They know the world is broken. Give them the answer. Show them the answer. Repent and lean in. This is a great time, church, in this moment to go, what am I doing with my life? Is it for the kingdom that is eternal or is it for something temporary? Because I can tell you what, whether it's a season or the season, things are getting pretty, things are falling apart pretty quickly. And so if you think your wealth, your empire, your brand, your status matters and is going to matter soon, talk to every other ceo or rock star in the world that's taken their own life and realized because they realized it was all meaningless but they didn't have the turning around to knowing what is meaningful deep and real and that's jesus repent and lean in it's harsh but it's what john the baptist says in these seasons let's get ourselves right let's lean in even more toward his good secure and eternal jesus His will be done. The security is in him. It's not the next idea. So you're not an anxious, fearful, suspicious person. These seasons are meant to form you into a solid thing in your friends' and family's life. Do you realise you might be the only solid thing in your friends' and family's life? You might be the only solid, non-anxious person in your street, at your school, at your uni, in your neighbourhood. That's our role. There's a security to us. Discernment looking at the world but a security to us repent and start building church a solid eternal and this is not a go at everyone we aren't i know many of you are doing that there's another reflection in this season to build something good and eternal amen repent and lean in number two look and listen look and listen I love a good conspiracy theory. And do you know what? The crazy thing is in this season, some conspiracy theories are not that false. Um, some are, some are, it's hard to tell. I love a good rabbit hole. Many of the nights I've stumbled across something on my phone that's interesting at 9 a.m., I'm uh, 9 p.m., thinking I better go to bed, and then deciding that maybe at 1.30 a.m. I really should go to bed because I've started reading and got into this. I, lo- I love it. It's enjoyable. It's interesting. I love knowing what's going on in the world. I love reading. I love reading this stuff. I love talking about it, and that's fine. I love talking about it with close friends, these things that are going on and observing and discerning. It's not nothing. None of this is bad. But if I am too focused on that, that I don't even notice that my fellow brother or sister needs a tunic, which is a clothing item, then what a waste of time. That's what John's saying. You can discern. There's tons of people in the Bible that read the seasons, but don't let it get so much that you forget to give a shirt to someone that doesn't have a shirt, that you can't love your neighbour. Your neighbour might be starving and poor and riddled with anxiety, and you're there going, I've solved it. It's the secret lab under Washington, D.C. I've done it and your neighbour screaming out, hey, I would just kill for just a meal tonight. That's just John's warning. Hey, in these seasons, just know if your brother needs a tunic. Listen, and the way we do this is listen. Listen. Don't miss your neighbour, your, the widows, the orphans in your street and your life while doing so, while doing life. Do you know, on Monday this week, Gone. Three and a half thousand people called Lifeline. That's a a record we didn't want to break. No one has ever rang that many times on one day with suicidal thoughts. What we need right now in this world is not just not more opinions. What we need is some love and care and someone to listen and stop. Do your five minutes and then do another five minutes listening to somebody. <laughs> just listening, hearing. I think about this dad and father I mentioned at the start. Imagine if for a moment this father would stop and listen to his son and how worried he is about him. Instead of saying, oh, have you read this section? This is the bit where the dragon descends and takes over Jerusalem. No, just you get to that. Just listen for a moment because your kid is really worried about you. So worried, he'll reach out to a pastor person he can't believe is a pastor, that he met 11 years ago, and see if he's got any insight because he's so desperate to connect with his father. Listen, look and listen, discern, absolutely. And then lastly, love and give. Love and give. All of this snowballs to what Paul calls a new creation. Something that our peers haven't seen before. Not angry, militant, picketing souls. Not anxious, fearful, shaky messes. But a non-anxious, ridiculously generous, loving presence. And we can only do that if we're secure in Jesus. If we realise it's eternal and so none of this is ours. It's all his. Do you know what 1 Corinthians says? If you can speak in the tongues of angels and move mountains into the sea but you don't do it or no love, do you know what it says you are? A clanging symbol. says if you do anything, imagine that, so you can speak in tongues of angels, what, you can move mountains, but you don't have love, you're just a lot of noise, a clanging symbol. If there was ever a description for social media at the moment, a clanging symbol is pretty brilliant. <laughs> Speaking in lots of opinions, but not having a single bit of love. It's just a clanging symbol. Even if you're right, even if you can move mountains, if you're not doing it in love, you're just adding to the noise. Please don't take this as a go at anyone in this church. This is not aimed at anyone. In fact, this church has impressed me at every step at how peaceful and how loving we're trying to be in these seasons. So this is an addressing an issue. This is just addressing the perfect scripture that popped up this week from John about the world at the moment. It's a calling, it's an encouragement to become something more. In his apocalyptic season, do you know in history, these are the moments that the church reestablishes itself? Every time. Do you know these are the things we practice for? We run church when it's all good and nice and fluffy and the world is great. We're practising for moments like this to be the church. This is our time. This is kind of what we wait for. The world's a mess. We go, we know. Come see what we've got. Because you forgot. We've been practising for this season. Listen to just a couple. I'll just close with a couple of these ways the churches have rat- like changed the world in apocalyptic seasons. So during the plague of Cyprian, a bishop gave this account of the disease in his sermons. The plague of Cyprian was probably a disease related to Ebola. Um, It was around the third century in Rome. He gave a sermon that triggered an explosive growth of Christianity. Cyprian Serpent said this sermon, told Christians, not to grieve for plague victims who live in heaven, but to redouble efforts to care for the living. His fellow bishop described how Christians, heedless of danger, took charge of the sick at their own cost of life, attending to others in need. Christians are known in times of plagues and sickness to double their efforts in helping people. Church explodes because people have never seen anything like that. One of the greatest explosions of the Christian church came out of a pandemic, a plague. A century later, the active pagan pagan Emperor Julian would complain bitterly how the Galileans would care for every non-Christian sick person While the church historian Pontius recounts how Christians ensured that good was done to all men, not merely to the household of faith. The socialist and religious demographer Rodney Stark claims that death rates in cities with Christian communities may have just halved compared to other cities. A century later, again another disease comes, Christians actually providing real, authentic, intelligent care. Church explodes again. No one's seen anything like this. And then my last example, back in 1527, a deadly plague hit Martin Luther's town of Wittenberg and he wrote this. Let me read what Martin Luther wrote in 1527, one of our church forefathers. I shall ask God mercilessly to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administrate medicines and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my present is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus inflict and pollute others. And so no cause their death as a result of my negligence. That's fascinating. That's, I'm not, he's not, it's not the Bible. So you do what you want. I'm not saying this is the answer, but just interesting. If God should wish to take me, he surely will. And I've done what he has expected of me. And so I'm not responsible for either my own death nor the death of others. If my neighbour needs me, however, how's this? If my neighbour needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will freely go as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. So he says, look, I'm going to try to do the right thing, even if it's weird and crazy, but if my neighbour, if, if it's stopping me from loving someone, that's my benchmark. He doesn't say my personal freedom, although we should be careful of that. His benchmark is in whether I can love someone or not. It's a whole other way to exist. It doesn't even register on our world scale. It's a new creation. It's a new type of human. It's like, oh, I'll, just, I'll stop listening when I can't love someone or look after my neighbour. Then you've gone too far. Amazing. Today I'm not answering specific questions about mass or vaccine or anything that comes next. I honestly am not sure. I'll tell you that. I'm so sorry if that's the answer you want. I'm not sure. I'm praying. I don't know what's going on, the specifics. I'm not disagreeing with um, genuine concerns. I'm not disagreeing with your thoughts about this. I love your thoughts about this. I love talking about this. What I'm asking is what John was asking. In this season it needs to bring out deep reflection and repentance for yourself. Please, church, consider where your life is headed right now and if need be, repent and turn around to Jesus. This is the time. Don't miss that. Because otherwise it's useless. It's just about pride, ego or fear. Let's be about security, generosity and love and maybe even sacrifice. The greatest example of this is Jesus, who we're going to soon meet in Luke. But he doesn't come with a sword. His followers think he's about to take it down. That's why they're carrying swords for three years. But he died and actually surrendered and in a way, well, not in a way, literally bought an eternal kingdom, one that outlasts Rome. Where's Rome now? Where's the empire of Rome? It's gone. Where's the church? It's even in Australia on the Gold Coast. His sacrifice, his love for us built something eternal that you can be secure and a part of now that won't fall away. Repent, look and listen, and then out of that start to love and give. So three questions for you to consider. I'd love you to write them down, take a picture. Three deep questions to consider in this time. Make five, 15 minutes to be silent, then ask yourselves these questions. Are you right with God? Are you building kingdom? Or are you building something eternal? Seriously, right now as the world changes, what are you building? Is it going to matter in three years, five years, 20 years? Are you listening? Do you know what people even in this church are struggling with? Are you quick to listen or quick to respond. I'm so bad at the respond part. (laughs) Mez will agree. Can you just listen to me? I don't need you to fix the problem is something that Mez might say to me every day. (laughs) I don't need Pastor Steve right now. I need my husband to listen. So, in theory, we don't do that. We don't argue or anything like that. So, so. (laughs) Jane's laughing. She's living with us. She knows that's a lie. Um, listen, listen, guys. Listen to each other. And three, are you growing a generous heart? Is your heart becoming more generous or stingy and anxious? Now, I could easily turn this around about giving to the church. I'd love to do that because this church is doing so much and you are doing so much within the church. And do you know what? If Open Doors sends us some information around how to help Afghanistan, this church's mission committee will... Support that and look at that. That's what we do. That's what we tithe towards. This church has multiple out, multiple um, overseas mission support, multiple local support, and then obviously this. But it's not just about church. Just in everything. Be generous. Give it away. Someone goes, I can't believe you're giving that to me in times that are as tight as this. Yeah, well, the kingdom. There's something waiting for me that's way better than this. Take it. They'll go, what on earth is right with you? <laughs> Why are you not storing everything up? And in relation to these answers, don't just answer them. What what are you going to do about it? That's a question to ask yourself in your small table. Let me pray. Lots to consider there. I encourage you to go back and have a look at John the Baptist's response and pray through that yourself. But, um, yeah, I'm going to invite the team up and I pray for us right now. Father God, it is a season thick with anxiety, thick with depression, thick with unknown in our workplace and in our churches. Form us, Lord. Help us repent of the ways we've been anxious of the ways that we've worried, of the ways that we've been fearful, of the ways that we're focused on other things instead of you. Let us be a church right now that activates. Let it be a church right now that digs deeper. Let us be a church right now that that does what it's been practising for, seasons such as this, where we listen deeply and we love deeply. Yes, we discern, but in all things love. Give us the power, give us the energy, give us the Holy Spirit so that we can actually perform these things and do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.